we're going to try to keep it kind of generic and try not to reference too many specific projects. Why not? <laughs> well, I mean, once well, we'll, we'll right. I just want to know who's a pain in the ass to work with. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're, yeah, exactly. That's the exact question we said. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. You may remember back on episode 334, and we talked about how to engineer a distillery, everything that goes into it from mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and everything like that. But we forgot to start off with a key component, and that's the architecture. A quick Google search for distillery architects will always lead you to one place, Joseph and Joseph and Brevera. The architecture firm is synonymous with creating the most iconic distillery and visitor experiences all across Kentucky. They got their start by designing Four Roses back in 1909 and have since then been the lead architects on places like Old Forester in downtown Louisville, Bardstown Bourbon Company, Michter's, Luxrow, Angel's Envy, and so many more. We're joined by Cash Motor and Eric Hulsman, who are both partners in the firm. We discuss the history of the firm and then we dive into what it takes to architect a distillery where to start, and how do you design around a bunch of different constraints. With that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. Today's idea comes from Nate J? Or is it J. Nate? Nate J. A two first name, first name, last name, name. Nate J. writes me on fredminnick.com. Where do you think bourbon would be today in 2022 had prohibition never happened? What? This is the kind of question I have never really thought about, but it is a fascinating one to ponder. Oh my goodness. If prohibition never happens, wow. Oh boy. So if prohibition never happens, I'm gonna I'll, I'll throw a couple ideas out that may shock a few people. If prohibition never happens, uh, I don't think Jim Beam would be as powerful as it became. Uh, reason being, you know, there were a lot of uh, brands and brand names that were out there that did not have did not have the strength to carry on. So Beam was was a really good name and a, and a solid brand, but it was not the mega powerhouse that it was. And it wasn't until after Prohibition that they kind of became more of that. And I think that they they garnered strength in Prohibition. Same with, uh, you know, Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, same with uh, Brown Foreman, National Distillers. You know, a lot of those big companies that survived Prohibition had the manpower and the strength and the know-how to do it. Uh, but there were other families like the McBrayers and uh, what's the, what's that one in Marion County I'm always talking about? The Blairs, McBrayer and Blairs. Those are, those are two. So McBrayer would have been like in Anderson County and the Blairs would have been in Marion County. And so those are two really strong whiskey names that would have been, uh, much more powerful had prohibition never happened. Also, 
you know, I think uh, the Nelson Distillery. So Charles, you, we know if, know them now for Nelson Greenbrier, but Tennessee had a prohibition starting in 1909, and if prohibition never happens, Charles Nelson, which was larger than Jack Daniels at the time, uh, I think would have continued its um, its steam. But you know, they had kind of lost their their patriarch, and and they kind of changed quite a bit and just moved on. But that that family just didn't continue during Prohibition, at least at a high pace. So I think those are just a few ideas. And I, and I think the concept of a craft distillery would never have existed because they would just remain independent. And uh, there would have been distilleries all over the country. You would have seen uh, distilleries in New Jersey, you know, Montana, all over the place, you know, as early as like the 30s and 40s, because people did make whiskey all over. It would just, you could argue it wasn't any good, but they made it. And I would say last, but certainly not least, if uh, prohibition never happened, we would not have the three-tier system. The three-tier system was created to give control to the state. So essentially every state became its own regulatory authority from importing to issuing tavern licenses at the municipality level after prohibition. Prior to that, it was you could sell alcohol a lot differently. I mean, how you could sell it to one another. You know, so the three-tier system would have been avoided entirely if prohibition never happened. But that's an amazing question, one that I have not really pondered. But I like those kind of what-if questions, you know. I mean, hell, that'd make a good movie. That'd make a really good movie. I mean, I doubt tons of people would watch it, but it'd be a good movie. Uh, But that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you would like to be like Nate J, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. And if I like the question, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, 
instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to knowsyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back. Another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon. And I'm with Ryan today, and we're talking about something that is very interesting because back on episode 334, it was when we talked about the mechanical engineering side of building a distillery. And today, Ryan, we're talking about the architecture side. Yeah, the pretty side. You know, the mechanical is just how everything works, how everything gets done. The guts. It's all the, the processes, whatnot, but the architecture is what's the beauty, the majestic, the when you walk in and you get this feeling, you know, when you walk in there. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk to these guys today and understand the whole architecture project because I'm sure designing around a distillery is super simple and like no problems whatsoever. <laughs> Everything and, just goes according to and, plan. And uh, there's no codes and regulations. It's just like super, you know, it's an easy, you know, it's like designing a, you know, a house or something. That or you have all these expansion projects from distilleries that have been started back in like 1909 right. and you're just like, hey, you know, that's fine. Just go ahead and add another building here. We'll add another fermenter. It should be pretty easy, right? Yeah, just work with the existing structure. You know, <laughs> it's sound and... Uh, we don't need to increase the pipe size. Like the water water pressure is fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but today on the show, let's go ahead. We'll give them the introduction. So today we have Eric Kielsman as well as Cash Motor. They are partners at Joseph & Joseph and Brevera Architect. Now, before we actually lead them on, I want to make sure I give them a little bit of a like how important this is because this is this is some of the hands that they've they've had their responsibilities they kind of had their hands in. They've done Old Forester, Bardstown Bourbon Company, Angels Envy, Four Roses, Michter's, James B. Beam, Luxro, Fred B. No, Kentucky Peerless, James E. Pepper, and Jephtha Creed. That's a lot of places now when I say it. But guys, welcome to the show. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. I was yeah. joking with Kenny last night. I was doing some research and I was like, man, they're the Buzics of uh, architecture. You know, the Buzics build all the warehouses, rickhouses for all the distilleries. And then apparently Joseph and Joseph does all the architecture. So we're trying, we're trying yeah. to get them all. <laughs> got, that, got that market, market cornered. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's a good place to be though. But before I kind of dive into that a little bit, I kind of want to know a little bit about you all. Like, how did you all get into the architecture side and how did you find your way into saying like, hey, this this whole like building a bourbon thing is pretty cool. So Cash, I'll, I'll kind of start with you. Sure, sure. So yeah, so the firm was started in 1908 and it's my family firm. Two brothers, Al and Oscar Joseph, started the firm in 1908. So you really didn't have a choice but to go into it. Yeah, exactly. So it was, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was either get kicked out of the family or, or do, do this, but it worked out well. So we've been doing it. The first distillery we did is, it's now Four Roses Distillery. It was JTS Brown back in the day. That was in 1909. And we've been doing it ever since. So their two sons took over, came in in the 30s. Um, and then one branch left and went to California. And then my grandfather joined the firm in the 50s. Uh, so he was a structural engineer, uh, went to college and came back after World War II and, and joined the firm. And then my dad joined the firm in the 70s. 
so and then all the Josephs have they were smarter than us and became attorneys and uh and so luckily it's it's the motors taken over since then and then uh and then Eric joined us a few years back. Yeah, I was uh actually at Bravira, the other the other name you mentioned there other than Joseph and Joseph and had the privilege of working on Old Forester was the first project distillery project that I got to work on. So uh, that always holds a special place in my heart, an amazing project if you've been there. And so I went to another firm for a, for a little bit, did a little bit of distillery work there, but never really got back into it. Uh, so when Cash reached out to me, I did a little research on on uh, Joseph and Joseph, and it was a great fit. So here we are. Joined forces. We did, like, yeah. Kind of like, like a Voltron kind of episode. It just kind of comes together. <laughs> That's right. That wasn't the plan, but <laughs> it's amazing how these, you look back and this was, you know, I guess a little over three years ago now. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just worked out. And, and Bravira was, is a phenomenal firm too, and done some great work. So when we were sort of looking to grow and expand, it, it just made a lot of sense. So that's how it all came to be. And did you have any experience doing the whole distillery side of things before this, or was that sort of a, a new thing for you? I mean, prior to the old Forester job, no. A lot of my early career was was uh, restaurants, hospitality, uh, which is you know very relatable to to a lot of the bourbon side of things. Complicated, you're jamming a bunch of stuff into a, a small building, so I think you know relatable there. But uh, no, until Old Forester, that was kind of my first bourbon experience. Yeah, I was going to say, what did Joseph and Joseph do before the bourbon boom? You know, what other focuses, I guess, do you have? Because it was probably pretty boring in the distillery architecture because nobody was expanding, adding on, doing all these beautiful things. Yeah, so we um, so we did a lot of work for Brown Foreman, you know, and through the 80s. We've been doing that work for them since the 30s, uh, but we did a lot of work for them. We did their whole campus in the 80s and 90s, converting what we built in the 30s into their their corporate campus. But we also do a lot of uh, multifamily residential. So we also do some parks work. We have a lot of some hotel work uh, that we're doing right now. So, so we, we have our hands in a lot, of, a lot of different aspects of the business. Around here, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. It's just not a big enough market. But bourbon has been, been good to us over the past you know, 10, 15 years as it's, as it's grown exponentially. Yeah, I'd say so. It's, there's no shortage of, of distilleries that want to expand or anything like that. And it seems to be the the good place that you're in right now, that you're the first phone call yeah. a lot of these people make. So how does that relationship get established? Like how does, I, I, Four Roses is easy because, hey, we were there in 1909. Hey, you remember us back then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we still have the drawing. That's exactly right. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, it does help. Oh, yeah. I mean, it comes lots of different ways. Most, You know, it's personal relationships, really, and word of mouth, you know. So as I'm sure you've learned over the, over your podcast that, the bourbon industry is is a little incestuous in terms of lots of people moving from place to place. Lots of everybody shares tips and you know resources um, in all aspects of the business, and I, I think consultants are are no different. I like to say that we do a good job, and people think that we we do a good job and share our name with their friends and their you know their colleagues, and and just uh, we continue to build the book of business and and good loyal clients. We like to you know luckily we've been working with lots of these brands for lots of years you know, historically, as well as, you know, over the past 15 years as they've all grown and we've kind of grown with them. So we, that's the best way. When they call you back for the next project, that's always, always a good sign. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
it's kind of like in a contractor, right? It's like if I can have a kitchen done once, but if I don't like your tile work, I'm not going to have you come back, right? So exactly. Get one, all the little details. One bad yeah. experience and, and you're done. So I think that's kind of a testament to the the level of work that we do that they keep keep calling us back. So that's, that's good for us. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the word of mouth doesn't hurt either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Kenny mentioned all those names, you know, some new buildings, some old this and that. What, uh, as an architect, what do you, what gets you going? Do you like rehabbing something old or would you like a blank canvas like Barstow Bourbon Company? I'm just trying to dig and say, who's your favorite client? And who's, no, I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. But, you know, what, I guess, what kind of do you like prefer? A, a new design, blank canvas or existing, working within an existing structure? What do you, you want to take that one? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, de- it depends. In a lot of ways, an old building, you know what you've got to work with. You know where the where the strengths of that building are visually. And, you know, you sort of try to, to bring those to life. In a lot of ways, a, a new project is, is harder because you're inventing it from scratch. But at the same time, you can put things wherever, wherever you want, right? Uh, you can set things up to be maximized. And I think that's something that we've really started perfecting is the process, not just what the building looks like, but understanding the flow of materials from coming in as grain to leaving in the barrel and even coming back for, for bottling and things like that. So, you know, they both have their advantages. I think, you know, as architects and going to architecture school, you always sort of lean towards that more modern design, I would think, if if we were going to start our own distillery or something like that. But we'll take any project. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about like, you know, you said Angel's Envy, Old Forester, Michter's, you know, Michter's had the you know, the whole collapse and all this during, and then it took them like what? Well, the stairway took a long time, you know, old Forster had their share of problems with the fire and this and that, like, you know, talk about like, I guess how whiskey rose is whiskey is is not stable. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, But I guess going through like working with the historical boards, like trying to keep everything, I guess original as much as possible. How big a challenge is that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that one. The, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a challenge and opportunity. I mean, you know, it's, um, those buildings are, they are architecturally significant. The facades are, are really important. You know, a lot of those buildings were old warehouse buildings. You know, most of the ones that we've been in, there isn't a whole lot on the inside that's necessarily architecturally significant. I'd say they're mostly cause they were warehouses. But the, you know, keeping that context is really important to the city and making sure those facades and, you know, and that's why people are attracted to it. The view from the public way and what you see and and how can we, how can we re-enliven those facades for the uses today, you know, and the good, good growth that we're seeing in the industry and bring life back to, to those whiskey row buildings is fun and, and, but challenging. I mean, you said there are lots of structural issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah, because wasn't there a time that, wasn't there like an arson fire that happened? Like the guy that owned part of that Whiskey Row wanted to set it on fire or something to collect uh, the money back? Me. Yeah, I was like, me. you could have sworn because there was a big fire down there years like ago. something was going on. There was. Whiskey yeah. Row every, every, every six months or something. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, what so, setback can we have this week? Bravira's office was actually right behind that. And we were supposed to be starting the old Forester project like the next week. Uh, had the the groundbreaking ceremony and the whole thing and next thing you know we look out the window and the buildings are on fire which was kind of crazy now i don't know about the conspiracy we heard you know it was a contractor accident or whatever that too but yeah actually it was lucky that the project hadn't started because 
it was just the facades of uh, of the old Forester project there. We hadn't built, you know, the, the rest of the buildings behind it yet. So the fire wasn't able to jump to go all the way down the block. Otherwise, that, that whole block would be gone. So unfortunate for the start of our project, it delayed it by a couple of years because they had to rebuild the buildings next to it because they were braced across. But just adds to the to the story. Yeah. More character at the yeah. end of the day. <laughs> Into the bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah really. So, Definitely more expensive. Yeah, I would I would think so. So when we talk about this, the process, if Ryan and I, we want to go and start our, our distillery and we're like, hey, we're going to we're gonna call on these guys, the, the musics of the architecture world of distillery making over here. Where does it start? Like, how do how does those conversations begin? Or does it start to say, how much money do you have? Like, where, where does that where does that conversation start? <laughs> That's not a bad place to start. Yeah. But the, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, That's a good way to weed out. Yeah. 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 The, you know, really the, you know, so the first thing we always want to do is what's your goals for the project? You know, what? Is this a production facility? Is it only a production facility? Is it a visitor center, mostly visitor center? You know, what's the production really for most of them and the visitor interaction, it really sort of starts the conversation, you know, and then, and then we do add, you know, then how much money do you have? Cause we do need, I mean, cause it's, there is, there's a pretty big What's starting just like point. a starting point where you're like, all right, I can take these guys serious or no, Ryan, can you're full of shit? Let's, you know, move on. We're not going to waste time with them. Kind of depends on the goals, you know. So if you're just going to build out a, a visitor center, a small little visitor center, you know, in an existing right, building, so, so it's all we'll do this. Or, yeah. we'll, we'll play. We'll play we'll scenario. Play, scenario. <laughs> we'll play building oh, distillery. No. All right. <laughs> so we want to produce about 25 barrels a day, and we want a gift shop, and we want uh, probably what a hundred visitors to come in a day or something like that. Maybe something like a tasting room. And a tasting room, something like that. All right, help us help us with our goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, that's this is the same thing. We avoid this conversation with our clients too. <laughs> How much is it going to cost? <laughs> yeah, and we're going to be on uh, Main Street. <laughs> well, that helps. Yeah, I mean, you know, twenty five barrels a day. That's that's a that's a decent you know craft distillery. You know, that's that's a couple million dollars. I'd say it's in that range. Okay, you know, I mean, there's lots of. Do you cover Lots of other details. <laughs> no. We are, not, we are not investors. No, exactly. Uh, and that's kind of the thing. We start, you know, if you came to us and said, oh, I've got $100,000 and I need all this stuff, and we'd say, no, you're not going to get it. Right. It's just not going to be safe. It's not going to be good for your visitors. not going to be good for your brand. At that point, we may steer you towards, you know, contract distilling with somebody, build your brand up till you have some more money or fundraise or something. You know, if you say, well, I've got a million dollars. So then we say, okay, well, let's, let's figure out what you can get for that. You know, what all is included in that. So there's, there's a lot of back and forth. It's not always a hard no. Yeah, I'm sure. not going to work with you. So when you are talking about those initial goals of saying, okay, we're going to have more production versus more of a uh, showroom or something like that. When I, when I think of what was done at Angel's Envy, I think it's the perfect balance of a lot of that. I mean, you've got production there. Granted, that production is just a very, very small percentage of what Angel's Envy needs to be able to fulfill their market, but it also gives them a tasting room. It gives them a gift shop experience, gives them all that. How did you work with them to try to figure out what does that goal look like? And not just them in particular, but anybody that says like, this is how do we work towards the goal or what you want to do? How do you figure out those numbers or like say like, is this the production amount you want? Is this the visitor traffic you want? Like, how do you help figure out those goals? Yeah, I mean, with most distilleries, and I'll, I'll shut up and let Eric jump in here. He's got, uh, but we're planning most of these distilleries for visitor traffic in terms of the space planning. Regard, I'm sure it's regardless. changed over a lot, few years. If that's 
probably the main goal a lot of people have now. It's a it's one of the big goals. Yeah. I mean, well, and also people a lot we get a lot of people who say we're never going to have anybody coming in here. There's no you know this is just production. Blah blah blah. And, it's a and, lie. And, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we, then they they get it half built and they're like, well, how are we going to get a tour through here? Wait, wait, wait. So you're like, wait a minute, you said there were no visitors. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's yeah, that's something we plan out from the beginning. Is we always you know figure out okay, well how how can we get 10 to 12, 15 people around this equipment in various spots, regardless of what, you know, what they're planning for. Cause you, you're, you're going to want to show off whether it's, whether it's actually consumers or customers for the, for the bourbon industry, they're, they're going to bring somebody there to show off their, their equipment. What about when they ask you, we're going to set barrels on fire in our visitor experience in downtown. <laughs> <laughs> like old Forester, for yeah. example. Yeah. If you have enough money, we can make anything. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of probably fire suppression things to put in there and everything like that to, to sort of make that happen. Okay, so you figured out the goals. You started figuring out what's this, you know, what do you want it to look like? How do you get to the actual design phase to figure out the tasting bars going over here? Your bottling is going to be over here. Like how 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 does that all work? Because I'm sure just from a from when we had the other guys on from the mechanical perspective, there's a lot happening. But how do you start sitting there and figure out how do we arrange this sort of stuff? Sure. You know, and I think with our experience, we know a lot about how how things flow, and that helps. So, you know, you've got the fermenters, you've got all that. A lot of times, somebody can call us up and say, all right, I got a 12-inch column still. You know, that's, to be honest, that's almost enough of a jumping-off point for us to, to start going. As far as the design, the architecture goes, I always ask for some sort of precedent. Like, what do you like? What have you been to? Do you have any images of, of a feel or a, a design aesthetic that that you're looking for? And this is something that back in architecture school, that's kind of the first piece of any project is you, you get precedent imagery, you get whether that be an actual completed building or just you know material or whatever it is, you can get that inspiration from from anything. So that's kind of where we start with clients. A lot of times they have a good idea of what they want, whether they know how to express it or not. So it's kind of our job to sort of usher them through that and come up with the ideas. Now, how that happens, it's it's almost, you know, there's an, there's an art aspect to it, I would say, where you don't really know until, until you see it. Uh, and we've had that happen on a lot of our projects. Um, Fred B. No, one I think would be a good example where, we were going down a different path. We thought that was the way to go. And then one of the guys in the office had this sort of stroke of genius and we're like, no, that's it right there. And so we took that one image and, and the client loved it and the rest is history. Is that with the new craft distiller? Correct. Yeah, down yeah. yeah it turned to, out beautiful. Yeah. Can you go into detail a little bit more about like, what was that stroke of genius or what was that thing that made it sort of hit the mark? Man, that's tough to describe, I guess. So it just comes from the air. Feel its aura. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think with Jim Beam, it was it was tough because you know they have such a long history, and, and there's such a, a certain design aesthetic associated with that. But we also knew that they, this was supposed to be the new, you know, high end distillery. So how do you respect that history, but also bring it in to the future and and to the modern times? And so that gable form that's sort of pulled apart in the middle, and that's where you, you go into the distillery, it sort of captured all that. And so I don't know how to, you know, necessarily like, there's no checkbox or anything. It's just one of those things where 
gathered around one of the computers in the office and just, no, this is it. Looks awesome. So like, like little details of like certain projects, like I'm just looking through this book and, you know, like old Forrester has like the elevator, you know, that goes, follows the still all the way up, you know, in the, the, the warehouse and all that. Like how much of that is like them saying, we want an elevator that goes up or, you know, we want this or that, or how much are you all saying like, you know, it'd be really cool is you got this long still, let's follow it up with an elevator. Like who kind of leads that process, you know, of coming up with like creative one-off ideas for each place. Yeah. I mean, with each project, every, every project, it's a, it's a team effort, you know, so lots of times clients will come with ideas. We'll come with ideas. Um, several of those projects, we had exhibit designers uh, that were involved in interior designers that are from our team or other teams with any good project, it'll be a collaboration. So it's never, if we come show up at a first meeting and we have the answer right, then, then we're all wrong. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> so how do, we strike, the, how do we strike gold on the first time? Yeah. If you're exactly. the smartest person in the room, leave the room or something. Exactly. The That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's never, you know, it's uh, lots of times we'll take germs of their ideas. They'll, you know, we'll, we'll come up with something and, and see, bounce several ideas off the client and see what, what resonates, what doesn't. It's an iterative process, so it's there's a lot of back and forth, uh, sort of a it's kind of a spiral moving forward. You know, we'll we'll go in circles, but we're, we're continuously moving forward. Is kind of the idea. What are some ideas where you're like, that's not going to happen? Or, <laughs> <laughs> this one's way too difficult. Yeah, the column still pokes out the top of the building. We've seen that a couple times. Yeah. Oh, sketches. Okay. You're like, no. Yeah, <laughs> haven't really thought about the adverse effects of the weather and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's just you know. I think people, they just think, oh, it's just this column still. But there's an amazing amount of piping and, and connections and all that sort of stuff that has to go that sometimes we, we hide it, sometimes we show it off, but they're ideas. So that's fine. It's a, it's a starting point. When you are talking to some of these clients, I mean, Ryan just mentioned Old Force, so you have the elevator going up. And a lot of people need to have sort of like this one thing that's really like a focus point or that differentiates them from somebody else. Is that a typical conversation that comes up and, and sort of how do you lead that conversation or figure out how, how do we make this different? The one thing that I always try to say is that you can go to a lot of these places and get the 51% corn tour is what we always call the generic thing. But there's always something there that they want to gravitate towards to make people see like, this is what makes us different. So how does, how does that happen? Most of the time that's coming from their brand, you know, so we're, we, you know, at the beginning of each project, assuming they have already have a brand and that they're, it's, it's playing off of what they differentiate themselves by. So if somebody is uh, secondary aging, you know, that's going to be the, the key focal point of the project, or if they're doing something special with their, their column, or if they're doing something with their, you know, a special doubler or something, those are going to be the things that we're going to try to emphasize in the building to reemphasize their brand, you know, cause at the end of the day, the product is what we're all there to celebrate. So that's, that's what we want to do is, and, and that helps them tell their story on their tour. If you're emphasizing something verbally on your tour, but the architecture doesn't reflect that it's hard for that story to connect with visitors. Um, so that's usually the starting point for us is okay. What's special about your bourbon? You tell me your story and then we're going to sort of embody that in the architecture is the idea. It was special fermentation tanks, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, <laughs> right. Everybody's fermenters are special. <laughs> no, I was looking another client that you all that was Lux Row. And I think they were one of the first with like the glass kind of side of the warehouse. And, and then now you see like everybody's doing, you know, a glass warehouse at, at some point. Who, who kind of, who started that idea? 
of like we should look into that one came from from don lux right that was his idea to pull some yeah to pull back and have the i have those seeing all the whole thing on the side yeah so that was kind of the one that started it but then you know the the heaven hill one that has it kind of glass on the corner uh and then if you've been to barstown bourbon recently where the entire end of a building is glass which is you know we're just keep taking it a step further every time. Um, <laughs> Before you know it, it's just a, a whole thing of glass. <laughs> a whole thing yeah, exactly. of glass. But I don't know. There's a there's a fine line. You want you don't want it to be cheap or or, or showy or Disney World, I guess. You know, so you want you want to have a certain authenticity to it, and then you know you try to pick up on what's there as well. So that's something that Barstown Bourbon, for example, you know, we have the the mo- very modern distillery, and then. The bottling building, which is kind of much more of an industrial, modern, but functional. I mean, the, the building is designed to function. And then, you know, they said, okay, well, we're going to do these warehouses across the front of the property. How do we tie all this together? And so they trusted us to, to come up with some ideas for that and um, seems to be working out. Really cool. So another question I kind of had for you also, we're not architects and we're not going to ever claim to do that. But for any of the sort of listeners out there that are kind of super nerds and super fans of like the scientific aspect of things, talk about some of those sort of like constraints that you have to work in when you're trying to design, move, architect and, and put things in their position. Like what are those constraints that you have to figure out? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So another question I kind of had for you also, we're not architects, and we're not going to ever claim to do that. But for any of the sort of listeners out there that are kind of super nerds and super fans of like the scientific aspect of things, talk about some of those sort of like constraints that you have to work in when you're trying to design, move, architect and and put things in their position. Like what are those constraints that you have to figure out? 
How much time do you have? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> what engineers do you not like working with? No. <laughs> yeah, those guys over at Shroud Tate are no good. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're all, um, they're called separated mixed use occupancy buildings. And this is kind of really getting into the, the nerdy side of it. But there's different classifications within a distillery that you probably don't see really anywhere else. I mean, essentially, it's a, it's a chemical factory. It's a, it's an oil refinery or whatever um, that you're going to bring the general public into, which is not common. So you have different classifications. So, uh, you know, for instance, the fermenter room isn't super high hazard. So that can just be a factory setting. Uh, whereas the still tower and uh, where you're filling the barrels, the cistern room is more high hazard because you have that, that high proof alcohol. So there's a separation that has to happen between those. And that's usually in the, in the form of a rated wall. All right. You got to explain. I don't know what a rated wall yeah, is. Okay. okay. So you got to, you got to, you got to yeah. school us here on this stuff. Sure. So there's different ways of achieving what a rated wall is. So in a lot of distilleries, that's just with the concrete masonry block, cinder block is what it, you know, kind of the, the layman's term. It's, it's concrete masonry unit is, is the real name. So that's normally how it's achieved. Or, I mean, to be honest, just regular old drywall is, uh, can provide a one hour, two hour rating, depending on how many layers of it that you put on a wall. So usually is, you know, one of those two, two things is how, is how we achieve it. What are you, what are you to, writing against? The heat or the? Fire. 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 Okay. So it's, yeah. yeah. So the, yeah, the ratings are for, uh, it's a, how long the, the wall will stand up to a fire. So it's a you know, one hour, two hour, three hour wall. If for a fire will burn. From, yeah, it's cool. How theoretically so what's a drywall yeah. rated for versus a cinder block? Ooh, okay. Just, yeah, it depends on the pieces. I mean, yeah, just so, a regular drywall on two sides of a wall is is an hour rated. You start adding layers of drywall that can get up to two or three hours, and that's including the studs between them. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. There's and there's UL. You may have seen that yep. on any appliance or anything like that. It's they have ratings for wall assemblies in in the same way. So. We call out it's this wall, it's UL419 or whatever it is. And we have those drawings in our sets of drawings and that explains it. And Because you have to have fireproof like switches, outlets, light bulbs, everything, now right? We're, now we're really getting into it. Okay. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in those high hazard spaces, so the, the still tower, the cistern room, there are requirements for rated uh, electrical components. So if you ever go into a still tower or a cistern room where they're filling barrels, you'll notice like the light fixtures are much more bulky and they're all sealed up. Um, same with, you know, any plugs or anything like that. And that's to prevent any spark that could, you know, light something on fire. So that's part of what we do. That's also, you know, the, the engineers also come into play there. And then, you know, there's a, another layer of code uh, that the distil Distilled Spirits Council discus and you may be familiar with them because this is you know in the normal building code they don't specifically describe distilleries it's kind of a special thing so uh, when it comes to that they basically just say follow best practices industry standards and the distilled spirits council is where we get those standards it's funny you say all this stuff it's like it's now starting to to piece the puzzle together in my head because any distiller that we go to you always have to walk through a door to actually go to the still and you go in there and it's freaking 3000 degrees and then you you're out of there and you're going out to the next door to go to the whatever uh, you know fermentation tank room or anything like that they everything yeah, is sort of segmented the same off. Bird. 
Yeah. And that's kind of the challenge for our job is to figure out how do we, cause you know, that's the still is the, usually the money shot, you know, that's what everybody wants to show off. That's where they spend all their money. That's where the, you know, the product becomes kind of the product. So for us, you know, being able to show that off without, but still be safe is, is a lot of the challenge. So, you know, there's lots of different ways we go about that, whether it's fire rated glass or fire shutters that we, that, that close in case of emergency um, to separate that out. Cause that's ultimately that's biggest part of our job is to keep everybody safe. I mean, that's, you know, the, the fun stuff is, is secondary to our, our primary goal, <laughs> primary responsibility uh, is to keep everybody safe. And when you've got, you know, a highly flammable liquid being processed with tourists coming and going, that's a, that's a high threshold to, to maintain. Then the other goal of showing it all off and making sure it's fun and exciting and people can see it. And aesthetically pleasing. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Our, the old guys in the office would have never, you know, the guys, you know, back in the thirties, th- this was never a thing, you know, this was right. You know, bourbon tourism. It's just wasn't functional, the, functional, functional. Exactly. <laughs> Crank it out and get it in a bottle. Let's go. It's, you know, what do you want to come see? There's nothing to see here. So that was never, never a thing, of, you know, until relatively recent history. Yeah. yeah. So fire is one constraint, right? So what's, what's another one that you have to figure out that's, that's pretty common that you all have to sort of navigate. ADA, uh, making sure you have, so with the tourist side of things, you know, having visitors come through, we've got to follow the Americans with Disability Act. Um, so probably 10 years ago, there was lots of work out there retrofitting old distilleries to for tours, you know, because you've got to make sure you have an equal opportunity for people of different handicaps to be able to see the same tour that everybody else does. And with these old facilities, it was was never a thing so uh so you know there's there's several facilities out there that have lots of strange ramps that go you know around the facilities that you kind of if you if you ever take a minute to look at it go why in the world is that there it's because the the distillery was there and then we had to retrofit it back to to make it work and now you see a lot of distilleries that are saying all right just tear it down and we'll rebuild the visitor center and we'll just start from scratch is that because it's well a they're seeing the demand but as well as for constraints like that as well yeah, a lot of it's for demand, you know, and, and there's there tends to be a with any industry kind of an arms race of if your main competitors doing one thing, you know, and just did a new addition and brand new building, then then by golly, we should do it too. Why, why can't, if they can have it, why can't we have a new shiny object? It helps. Um, it helps when they they go into their brand meetings and they're saying, I look at all these competitors, look at what they're doing, and then it's pictures of our project. So <laughs> who did this stuff? And then and then we get the phone call. So that that works out too. What did, what did you think when you saw the bourbon pyramids? Because I know you all didn't do it. Did, were you like, that can't happen or that could happen? or the, I don't know. I'm curious because obviously sure. it never happened, but and maybe it will. Well, that's, that is one of our clients. Uh, <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a you know, good partner of ours. The Shigurubon Architects were the, were the local architects on that oh, project. Oh, okay. See. That's great. Huh. It's all comes back. <laughs> it, all comes it all comes back to these guys. They're, they're, they got their claws hooked in everywhere. Yeah. We're, we're trying. Um, <laughs> no, that is a, that's a unique Unique structure. challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they do a lot of wood structures. Uh, so the shape of it is not necessarily as striking to us in terms of making it happen as, as how to do it out of wood. Right. You know, so building a, a processing plant, you know, for alcohol that's highly flammable inside a wood structure, you know, poses a few challenges. The building officials. Yeah. They'll, they'll be like, but, but why are you making it out of wood? That doesn't, that doesn't even register because it, it's just not on the radar. So it will be interesting when it, when it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. So I got another question. So you have, 
you know, a lot of these massive distilleries that you've worked for. Then you also have on the other side, you've had something like Jeff the Creed, a little bit smaller, uh, smaller scale, but kind of a, a clean slate. So kind of talk about how that one was a little bit different project than say Four Roses when you're retrofitting something from 1909 in there. Sure. Yeah. Jeff the Creed was one of, was one of my projects. So they, um, you know, starting a, a new distillery from scratch provides some good opportunities. It's just different when you have a brand that's already established versus one that's up and coming or one that's not even on the shelves yet with different, you know, different companies. You know, so we really delve into the lots, lots of time we try to get into their packaging or what their story is going to be, you know, because you don't want to be building an ultra modern facility if they're if they're going, you know, more on the traditional traditional side of things yeah you know so that's a lot where you know like eric was saying we come asking them for inspiration images what do you like what's you know what's your branding going to be what's your label looking like you know a lot of times we'll have ads that are already out if they're producing something you know what's your ad look like you know if you're if you're it's different if you're showing pictures of the beach with people drinking on the beach versus <laughs> you know somebody drinking so, in the woods you know yeah. it, it's just different so you, you can try to play off that and figure out you know where are they stylistically because yeah, this is gonna be their home you know it's just like everybody's you know like a personal house it, this is going to be their their home for their brand and it needs to last a long time for their their different branding so we try not you know there's a balance there between doing too stylistic because marketing does change i mean they're going to change you know labels and, and that sort of thing but at you know the heart of everything they're gonna, they're going to be more of a, a traditional brand or they're going to be more of a cutting edge brand you know and, and you try to figure out where that that balance is architecturally to, to make it work for him. Nobody ever says, I want the Corona lifestyle here in the middle of Eastern Kentucky or something like that. Yeah. Beachfront property in Shelbyville. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of see you have some, some documents here in front of you. What's, what, what's, what we have here. Yeah. So we were digging, so preparing for this, you know, we were digging through some of our old documents here and, and found, so this is, um, we found some old letters, uh, from, this is from the president of, uh, Old Prentice Distillery, which now Four Roses. So this one was a reference that we asked them to write apparently in, in 1914 for a project. Uh, but you can see it's that the uh, it's got their their logo on the top there, and it's from that one's uh, you know basically giving us a reference of how good we did on their in their distillery. Awesome. Yeah, Four Roses. Back who, in the day. Who was the job for? You don't, doesn't say. <laughs> not oh, for Four the, Roses, but for the reference to. I, know it says it on, I think it says it on there. I'm not sure. Who, it was uh, something here in Louisville, I think. And so I, I got the question is, when you think of something that's a, a historical significance of, of something like Four Roses, because they're a lot different than any other distillery, like in their, their architecture, that's like sort of that Spanish influence and stuff like that. How do you continue to keep that? that vibe or keep that sort of same influence going when you just like say redid their, their new visitor center, how does that mesh and mold? And are you kind of like, all right, well, uh, we're going to try to blend the old with the new, like, how does, how does that all work? That one thematically was to the thought of the visitor center was to be sort of the grand manner for the facility. So there wasn't ever, you know, a big mansion that was on the facility, but it, when, when you walk on the, on the campus, you know, it kind of feels like they're, there should have been, you know, there could have been, you know, this, uh, the the master distiller up on the hill, you know, watching over everything in his in his mansion or the owner or whoever, or they're doing olive oil there. It's almost sometimes what it feels like to me. It's oh, there yeah. should be an olive oil field behind there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so we wanted to do that, you know. So they, I mean, they obviously have such a stylistic campus already, but we didn't want to just copy exactly what was there. I mean, those are commercial buildings, and they were, you know, they were designed for commercial style. 
so you know we we really looked back frankly we looked back at some of our older work residentially on that one as inspiration some of the things that were being built in the in the 20s and teens residentially to get influence on on that visitor center and, and again it's it's sort of the visitor center piece is always sort of the you know, you want people to feel like you're at home. This is the place you're, you're getting invited into their home. Um, and so we kind of ran with that and, uh, you know, did a wraparound porch and it, and it has a real, uh, while grand and big, uh, a residential feel to it. So that, that was kind of the, the stylistic choice there. And do you have all these documents that date back to the 19, early 1900s that you can go and reference and say, oh, well, here's, here's the blueprints or like, I don't know if they're blueprints back then. I don't know what you would have back then. But. Yeah, we do. We do. So we have, we have the original, some of the original drawings for the JTS Brown distillery. We have lots of old uh, drawings from the, from the early uh, 1900s, early teens. And that was, yeah, and that's exactly, so we started digging through our old, our, our drawing files of where the older projects were and, and started looking at those for for inspiration so yeah they're, they're on that, like the cad files on a usb drive still for you we're trying like you know <laughs> <laughs> would have been nice in the cloud somewhere yeah It'd be ideal well then what would our interns do all summer long yeah, they've, exactly. got, they've got to dig through the drawers and get dirty and let them you know get the graphite all over them so have any other distilleries outside of kentucky contact you i mean i did i'm doing design and stuff i i, I think most of these have been kentucky or y'all's sure footprint outside of the state yeah, um, getting a, getting calls from Texas seems to be coming in a lot. We did just do the Distilled Spirits Council conference down in Austin, uh, and tried some you know some really great stuff that they're that, that they're doing in Texas. The scales of things we're finding in in Texas and outside of Kentucky really are so much smaller. So they're like, oh yeah, we're the big dog in Texas, and you look them up and they still have like dirt roads and stuff like that. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> But you never know. You never know who's going to be the next that's bought by one of the big, you know, liquor companies or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, we, we send out proposals all over. Got an email from somebody from Scotland today. And, I, you know, I, I, maybe they just Googled distillery architecture and we popped up. I'm not sure. That SEO is paying off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That one is for some reason we said we tend to pop up, but there's, you know, Instead there's. Instead of getting letters hand typed by. Yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then SEO now. there's, you know, that, that sort of feeling out process. Are these people serious? Are they legit? And then you submit a proposal and a lot of times you don't hear back. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's part of like any bidding process, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't, we, if we got every proposal that we sent out, then yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or, or you're not computer. charging enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Or you're not charging. Or you're not charging enough. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. So I guess that's the the kind of the next thing is start when you start thinking of like where can where can Joseph and Joseph and Bravura go from here like is is the goal like do you all want to be known as as the distillery architects like the place that you should be the first call if you're going to be serious about this like what is what is your end goal of of basically becoming the people that people want to call about this this sort of facet of the process Well that's exactly right. I mean that's the, that's always the goal and we hope we're we're somewhere near there um that that's where the where the go to I venture to say that our portfolio of distillery work I'd put it up against any other firm in the in the country or the world architecturally uh, in terms yeah, there of wouldn't be much in there. In there. <laughs> yeah, so you know when when a client or a potential client calls up and says we've got a you know we're going to have an RFP coming out I welcome the chance. You know, this is a, is a great opportunity for us to show off and, you know, and I try to get that meeting as fast as I can because, you know. What's I, an RFP? Sorry. I'm sorry. Request for proposal. Request for proposal. Okay, ah, gotcha. I got great. you on that great. one. Yeah. <laughs> We're competitive, of course. Yeah. Anytime we see 
a distillery come up that's not us, we're, well, they'll learn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when it all goes bad, they'll, they'll call us. <laughs> come uh, fix all their problems. Yeah, well, but no, I mean, I think. No, it's, it, and I'd say it's a friendly rivalry. We're, you know, with, with anything, it's, there's other firms out there that, that have done other distilleries, but not near to the, the quantity. And, and I'd say quality. If you, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That's that our firm. <laughs> so is there anything in the bourbon business that you all haven't done yet? Or have you literally done everything? I'd say as far as the buildings are concerned, I think we've we've probably done every kind of prototypical building. Yeah. I yeah. think the hospitality thing is really coming around. So they've, you know, they say the Napa Valley of, of Kentucky, right? So those campuses that that'll be sort of that all inclusive, like people come in and they're going to stay at this one place, which is not usually the case currently, but we're seeing it go that way where you're going to spend a, a day or, or multiple days at one place. Usually it's like, we're going to try and hit three or four distilleries in a, in a day, which is difficult if, if you've ever done it. I mean, it's, so I think that, you know, on that side, the hospitality side, uh, hotels are one of our fastest growing markets. A lot of that's related to, to the bourbon business, but I think sort of making that jump. Yeah. We've done restaurants and gift shops and tour start areas and things like that, but keeping those people on, on campus and then, and then developing, you know, the campuses. So whether that be a 250 year old campus or a brand new campus where it's sort of designed, every piece of it is designed, which, you know, we could probably bring some of our parks experience in when it comes to that. Well, you haven't seen an Airbnb in the distillery yet, yet. So, so you, you still you figure out some way to even elevate the the visitor experience. That's there. come up, but it has never been. Executed. Has it really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there any constraints with having people stay on a campus? You Other know, than where, the fact <laughs> that you don't want them <laughs> at the distillery at you know eleven p.m. at night, messing yeah, around, around, touching buttons. Make yeah, sure, make sure everything's for, locked up. That's yeah. for Sonatrol. <laughs> yeah. The actually the. Um, TTB actually has some problems with that. TTB and ABC, so they've got some. They've got requirements that you can't have residents in on the premises. So you know, there's there's some that has been brought up several times where lots of people, you know, master distillers or, or owners from out of town, wanted to have an apartment, you know, in the in the building, you know, somewhere for them to stay, so they don't have to get a hotel. And we we've that becomes the problem is it's not you know legal so you have to figure out a way you know either they usually end up with an apartment somewhere nearby or something but but there are lots of calls there's a lot of infrastructure on the bourbon tourism side of things that's missing there's there's lots of opportunities for hotels and restaurants especially when you get to some of the more rural places i mean you see that down at maker's mark they've got you know restaurant down there and places you know they've got the little uh, i think they still have bed and breakfast down there that, yeah and they're creating all these little small buildings anywhere like it's like it's a small campus exactly yeah yeah so i think you know i think there's lots of opportunity for lots of these brands and collectively you know the, the communities around them to to build up their infrastructure because we we hear a lot of visitors who come in and, and hear and say that they, you know, they, they like to stay, you know, in Barstown, but everything was booked up, you know, or they like to stay, you know, in Frankfurt or wherever it is, because it's such a boom that the infrastructure of, of supporting buildings and, and cast is not, not in place yet, even though it's been going for a long time, 20 years. That's yeah. I'd love to stay in a, like a boutique hundred person hotel in the middle of bar some bourbon's campus. So I can just stumble, you know, right. Stumble home there. Well, somebody had also mentioned like doing a, a warehouse camp out sometime. So just having like a campsite, like literally in the middle of a field 
between warehouses would be an interesting thing, but there's, I'm sure there's plenty of legal I'd rather be in the boutique hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, right, yeah. where's the, all right, where's the glamping pass then? That's we'll, right. That's, yeah, that's more my speed. RV, RVs or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just put the shitter somewhere else, right? The that's right. <laughs> well, guys, this was a fun yeah, fun conversation to kind of get a little bit of the history, not only of just your firm, your family's, you know, sort of past with this, as well as kind of knowing exactly when people will need to make that first phone call, who do they go to, or how good is your first Google result for distillery architect? <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome to be able to hear that that side of things. But uh, before we sign off, I want people to give an, op- or get an opportunity for people to tell people how they can get in contact with you, how they can learn more about you and, and everything like that, too. So our website is probably the best best way to get a hold of us. Uh, Joseph and Joseph and spelled out dot net. Uh, and there's a, a contact form on there that comes directly to Cash and I. So if you uh, have any questions, any any comments, you want to build a $40 million distillery, just... <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there's the starting point. <laughs> yeah, there's a starting point. We finally got it they, out of it. They told us for $2 million. <laughs> <Top> us a lot. <laughs> Two million is just their portion of the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of money that it takes to be able to build a distillery. But guys, I want to do say thank you again for for having you on, telling that sort of story, and, and kind of getting to know more about the architecture side because this is again one of those things that we haven't touched on with almost 400 plus episodes of doing this, and it's just yet another thing that we like to be able to bring to our listeners and help them sort of that education perspective too. So, and thanks for the the whole the science background thing. It's like when we start getting those constraints. I'm like, I know there's some listeners out there that are like, all right, I can nerd out on this too. So now I know fire ratings. Yeah, but now we know that. We learned something today. So make sure you check them out on their website. You can also check out bourbonpursuit.com. We've got signups for our newsletters. Follow us on all the socials as well. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. 